Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with your co-host, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and his wife, Jeannie. Michael and Jeannie share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. They offer tools and support five days a week. They will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love. In Aramaic, Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.whyagain.com. And now your co-host, The Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. To the brightness within you and the truth that is rooted within me. Hi and welcome to Mindshippers Radio with The Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm your co-host, Jeannie Rice, along with Dr. Tim Hayes, and we welcome you to the show. Today is Wednesday, September the 9th, 2015, and our call-in number is 646-200-4169. Press 1, and that puts you in queue to talk to us, and we would love to hear your comments and your questions, because that makes this your show. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, dear heart, and welcome, everybody. We're honored, delighted that you're with us, and we have this opportunity once again to continue the conversation about first-century Aramaic forgiveness and all of the corollary tools that have been developed around that and that understanding and the recognition that the whole game of life is different than the way we've been conditioned to perceive it that we've been conditioned to build a world inside of our minds that looks a certain way, and the way that it looks to us is the way that it unfolds in us. And when we change the way we look at the world, when we change the content of the mind, the world starts to change. There are certain dysfunctional lies on the planet, they're functional lies too, functional misperceptions, things that kind of work. Like, for instance, we say the sun rose at 637 this morning. The sun didn't rise. The sun has never risen. The earth revolved. We know a different scientific fact is so, but we still talk as though the sun revolves around the earth. And the sun rises, which, you know, wasn't that a beautiful sunset, sunrise? never happened. Never happened in all of history. Not possible. Even though we know better, that's a functional fantasy. But there are dysfunctional fantasies that we really need to start to look at and we really need to overcome. And, you know, if you think about how you have to change your mind to think truthfully about what we call sunrise, what would it take? How long do you suppose every time you saw this beautiful thing happening, how long do you suppose it would take before you would naturally and automatically say, wasn't that just awesome the way the earth turned and the sun showed up in the sky where it had been invisible previously? Wasn't that fabulous? Instead of saying, wasn't that a beautiful sunrise or a beautiful sunset? How long would it take you? And, and notice that's not a big part of your life. I mean, it's a beautiful part, but, but it's not, you know, it's not a, uh, a thing that's relative to your relationships and where you live. Yes, it's beauty, but it's not uh, 
how can I say it, a functional part of your life. But look at the functional parts of your life where you hold fantasies that make parts of your life dysfunctional. Like, for instance, most people live in the fantasy that somebody else can make them mad, that somebody else can hurt them. They can feel somebody else's feelings. And that's the dysfunctional fantasy. And when we live in that dysfunctional fantasy, what happens is that we construct a picture where we paint a picture on the inside of our eyeballs that something is true that is absolutely, totally, and completely false. We actually create hallucinations that something outside of us is the cause of what's happening inside of us. And that's a very destructive fantasy. It's a fantasy, just like the sunset and the sunrise, virtually everybody engages in, and few people realize that it's a fraud, that it's a lie. We're here to support people changing the lies in their lives because the lies we believe literally create the construct that we call perception. And we've talked several times about even the CIA confirms. You can go to the CIA website and they've got a book there on how to hone and get the best perception possible. And a quote word for word from that book is, we do not record reality, we construct reality. And you construct reality according to what you believe. So if you believe that other people are the cause of your pain, then your mind will automatically hide from you the cause of your pain, the true cause, which is always internal, and you will be disabled in the arena of being able to correct what's painful in you. Because your words tell your mind how to construct the world you see. And if your words say, they made me mad, then your structure, your construct, the perception that will show up is a picture where somebody else seems to be responsible for what you're feeling. Very, very destructive fantasy. Another destructive fantasy that uh, many people engage in is, you know, time is something that kills everybody. Very destructive fantasy. Very, very big lie. There's a group in Cincinnati back, oh, three or four decades ago, medical group, that did some research on aging. And this is a place called the Courcy Clinic in Cincinnati. And I remember hearing this research back over three decades ago, and it just stuck in my brain. I mean, I remember word for word the quote that the presenter who presented this piece of research offered us. And that was from the DeCourcy Clinic in Cincinnati, time is not toxic. Time has no effect on human tissue under any conditions. It is a belief in the effect of time by those who subscribe to such a belief that acts as a poison. Now, you believe that you age. I've been taught to believe that I age. Have I overcome that belief totally? No, not yet, but I'm working on it. It is so embedded and so ingrained. Now, it seems like the fantasy is true, just like we look, and it looks like the sun is coming up. It doesn't look like the earth is rotating and exposing the sun. It really looks like the sun is coming up. But that's an appearance. You remember there was a teacher 2,000 years ago who said, do not judge by appearances. If you judge by appearances, you're going to be in trouble. When you look at you know, the, the basic truth of this energy system we call a body-mind unit, you listen to Einstein, and he says this, quote, on such things as matter, we have been all wrong. What we accuse you for called matter is energy, energy whose vibrations have been so lowered as to be perceptible to the senses. Quote from Einstein, there is no matter. You don't have a body. Solid is an appearance in the mind. It's something that's programmed like the sun rises is programmed. And so we see it that way, not because it is that way, but because we've been taught to see it that way. Our perceptual system is engaged in a destructive fantasy. 
When you realize that your so-called body-mind unit is in fact an energy system, then you start to think in terms of energy and you realize that there are basically two qualities of energy relative to your energy field. One of them is that which builds the system up. It's constructive. And one of them is that which tears the system down. It's destructive. So we have integrated energy and disintegrative energy. In the ancient Aramaic, the word that represented disintegrative energy is the word sin. Sin in Aramaic is an archery term. When you fire at the target and you miss the bullseye, the scorekeeper would yell, sin, you're off the mark. Originally meant to be positive feedback as in, take another shot. Not there's something defective about you, but simply that you've engaged in an energy that doesn't belong, and it's an energy that's off the mark. In the ancient Aramaic, when they said the wages of sin is death, with the understanding of physics and physiology that they had, they were simply saying that the result of engaging in hate, fear, anger, rage, guilt, pain, drama, and trauma is that you destroy your energy system. Now, usually it isn't a one-shot deal, although we've all heard about the soldier on the battlefield where all of these soldiers lay dead and there was one who lay dead as dead as the rest that didn't have a wound in them. The disintegrated energy became so overpowering, the fear, the terror, whatever it was, that it knocked the life out of that body. That body would no longer sustain life. But usually it's not that fast to happening. We do have occasions that document that what I'm saying is true. But what happens is, Little by little, people integrate rage, fear, grief, drama, trauma, energetic patterns in their structures, having no idea that those patterns are their own and that they are changeable or removable. And in the ancient Aramaic, the word forgive is the tool for removal. So the disease processes that everybody says, well, you know, you just get older and you get this disease or that disease, that's just a natural part of aging. No, it's not a natural part of aging. It's a natural part of engaging in a destructive fantasy that you can engage in hate and fear and anger and rage and guilt and grief and get away with it. And that your deterioration has to do with time. Deterioration of physiology has absolutely nothing to do with time. Deterioration of physiology has to do with the energetic dynamics that one engages in over time. So a little hate today, a little fear tomorrow, a little sadness the next day, a little grief, a little rage, a little pain, and over a period of a year, you've integrated a significant number of disintegrative energies and the cells weaken. Literally what they're showing in the cell biologist's laboratory is when you think of thought, that thought becomes a molecule, a neuropeptide. This is thought becoming matter. That neuropeptide circulates around in your structure until it finds a cell with a receptor site that matches. It lands on the cell and inserts itself in the cell as chemistry. So now we see the disintegrated chemistry in the cell, and the cell begins to deteriorate. So when you go back and you hear that ancient Aramaic statement, the wages of sin is death, that's not some kind of theological threat God's going to get you because you did some terrible, awful thing. It's simply telling you how your physiology works. The destructive fantasy of the culture is my physiology is deteriorating because of my age. No, if your physiology is deteriorating, it's because you've engaged in energies that don't belong. Stop it. Learn forgiveness and remove those energies, and those parts that are deteriorating will begin to rebuild themselves. When you remove the chemistry that's been inserted in the cell by the thought of a disintegrative energy, then the cell is free to go back and reorganize itself around a higher energy. And that's called healing. Forgiveness is the key tool that we're presenting. Every other tool correlates and relates to the process, but the key tool is forgiveness. If you haven't engaged in or accessed the tool of forgiveness yet, and, and when you realize that all you have to do is change virtually everything you believe in your mind, it is a process that 
Actually, unfortunately, few people really, truly want to engage it. Most people would rather die than change their minds. We were having a meeting this morning uh, with Jim and uh, Julie, Jeannie and I, and one of the topics that came up is how everybody wants things in their lives to change, but most people have no interest whatsoever in changing. If that's true for you, then we invite you to start to realize you need to change. Things are not going to change in your life if you don't begin to change the things that you engage in, the energies you engage in, and what you do to yourself and others. So the forgiveness process, again, if you haven't accessed it, please go to our website, whyagain.org. There's a big bullseye right in the middle of the page. Click the bullseye. That will open a whole series of links that will instruct you how to engage in the forgiveness process. And in particular, there are at least 16 different one-hour radio shows where we walk somebody through the whole process. And each, each worksheet that we've done with some of those 16 different shows has different nuances in it and a different understanding. So as you listen, there's 16 hours of custom instruction on how to engage in the forgiveness process. Of course, if you want to, and that's all free on the website, if you want to uh, pay for some support, if you want to support us in return for supporting you, of course, we're honored and delighted that you go to our website and order some products. There is a video called Why Is This Happening to Me Again? It's a two-hour, and there's also a four-hour video of Why Is This Happening to Me Again? that taps into the forgiveness process. If you'd like to do something that supports us in return for our support of you, fabulous. Go to the website, order some products. Or there's a donate button. You're certainly welcome to to uh, hit that donate button and uh, put in a, a, a one-time donation or do a recurring. You can go in and, and do the same thing. You can do a recurring. that will just come out automatically. If you'd like to support us and we're looking at how do we take this to every mind, heart, and being on the planet, we're here to support you as you engage in that process. Please, we're here to answer your questions. Five days a week, an hour a day. The dedication is to create support for anybody on the planet who's ready to work with these tools. So we're here to answer your questions and share the thoughts on what we've discovered over the last 50 years of doing this work. And we're honored that you're here to share it with us. Jeannie, do we have Dr. Tim with us? We do, and he's on. Good afternoon. Hello, Dr. Tim. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm doing quite well, thanks. We had our support group awesome. last night. Cool. We had, Tell us uh, about it. We had eight people plus me, and we had our um, first half of the lecture on purpose, personal power, and commitment. And as Erica had mentioned on the show the other day, she was looking forward to that because she may be facing some career changes soon. And so it it was um, a lovely first hour of the video, and then the discussion was rather lively. And and then, of all people, Erica decided to do a worksheet. So she did a worksheet, which, as as often happens, several people in the room found they had almost the idea identical worksheet to do in terms of the emotion and in terms of their thought. They had a different triggering event, but in terms of themselves being the the triggering uh, person in the worksheet, and it was just very productive. I think that anytime somebody starts out at a uh, an upset level that they rank on a scale of zero to ten, they rank it at a seven. And at the end, they say they've got an upset level of zero, even though they may have a number of other worksheets to do on that set of issues, that's a very productive shift in energy, in my opinion. And uh, sometimes there's quite useful insights involved, and and I, I just, I continue to be very, very honored to be around that group of people who come week after week. We had a couple people show up who hadn't been there probably in about a year, and we had all kinds of people that normally come that weren't there, so we only had eight people last night. But as I say, 
every time the perfect people are there, tremendous work gets done, love is exchanged, people learn more about themselves and the process, and it's an honor for me to be able to facilitate that. I certainly hear you loud and clear. That's fabulous. And it's interesting that um, the whole conversation with Erica, who's a teacher, comes up, and the fact that her position seems to have been terminated. And uh, in our meeting this morning, we were talking about, you know, what's next for Hartley and in the work, and decided that the thrust, and with Julie being a school teacher, and the stresses and strains that school teachers and parents and children are under, that perhaps a place, and Tim's basically going to start to put his effort in that direction of opening the door to taking this into teachers' organizations, school systems, and making the tools available that way. So, Erica, if you're listening to the show, who knows? Maybe that will be your new direction is to help to spearhead that process up in in your area in the country. Um, you know, the I was in, I was sharing with the group this morning, I was in a grocery store back Oh, I don't know, it's probably two years ago now. And it was a little lady who's probably in her late 60s, and she was checking out of the grocery store, and the teller was obviously a friend, and she shared the thought with her uh, teller friend, and I'm standing right beside her, so I can't help but hear it, and she, she shares that she's really happy that when she was younger, she had such an abusive husband because now that she'd gone back to teaching school, and I think she was saying that she's a grade five teacher, substitute teacher, now that she's gone back to teaching school, she's able to handle the abuse from the students, having gone through that as a young woman. It's like, what is that commentary on our culture and the kind of stresses that teachers are under are just amazing. So the fact that Teachers are, are such a broad um, influence in our culture with children and parents. Uh, we decided that the, the spearhead of our next effort is going to be to move in the direction of teachers. So uh, teachers out there, we would love your support. We would love to have you engage with other teachers. And you know, we're, we're moving in the direction of how do we take this to every mind, heart, and being on the planet. And that's what comes next. So cool. Good conversation with her then. Anything else to share from your side, uh, Dr. Hume? Any patterns you're seeing in practice today or any other insights to share? Well, the other thing that's come up, I was doing some of my own work this morning, and I came across the the glitch that, that happens when I think at any level to think through and use my intellectual capacity or my egoic mind to figure out how to do something better in terms of my emotions or my relationships or my spiritual activities. And so I was doing a piece of work this morning that went back to two years old. And at two years old, I made this kind of um, clear decision that I had to choose between my spiritual life and the energies that could come from that and a solid connection to my family of origin. And that was a false conclusion, and I used that to hide from the feeling of overwhelm that came when I would just tap into this energy from the spiritual realm that would be more than enough to handle any problem that came up. And as I was processing through that, I just got the idea, this image, that my my logical or egoic mind that thinks I need to figure things out actually acts like a clamp-down valve on a hose that shuts off the flow of energy. That, that the reverse of allowing its a controlling or clamping down on the hose of, or that you know conduit that some people talk in spiritual terms about the conduit. And when I'm supposed to be here as the extension of love and form, 
or the effect of God's love here to bless creation when I think I have to direct that with my conscious logical mind, it literally just clamps the hose shut. And then all the discomfort I feel, without realizing it, I've created it by myself. And that what I need to do is just allow. And I I remember one of the talks you gave where you were talking about people don't like to hear about the word surrender, and we need to surrender to love. But in the talk, you, you pointed out that all day, every day, we're either always surrendering to hostility or fear or love. We're always surrendering to something. Something else is going to drive our behavior, something other than our conscious logical mind, and we're either surrendering to fear and hostility and letting it drive us, or we're surrendering to that energy of creation or love or God or light or flow or whatever you want to call it energy of source and that was that was the other piece that came to me today from work I was doing on my own that's, issues that's awesome it sounds like uh, Tim you're really right in the throes of that moment at which you gave up and you know we talk about it in the codependence workshop when we buy into the identity the false identity of the non-being mind or the egoic mind and give up our direct connection to love and uh, that's one of the most powerful pieces of work that anybody can do. So that's fabulous that you're reaching that. And and I acknowledge you for reaching it so gently. And uh, with such a... I have bumped into that set of themes a number of times that hasn't been anywhere near this gentle. But today's was more of a... uh, of an energetic shift than, than the emotional turmoil. Are you there? Did we lose Michael, Jeannie? Or did you lose me? No, I can hear you. And Michael's still showing up on the switchboard, but I'm not hearing him either, so I'm not sure what's going on there. But I hear hear you loud and clear. So while we're waiting on Michael to pop back in... uh, I will just share that uh, we are setting all of our plans. We've been offered a place to stay in Ellington, Florida, and that's where we will be working on videos. I'm already working on the membership part of the website. We're going to be working on some uh, interviews and some um, DVDs and, and doing some editing, as well as writing our books. So all of that's coming together. There'll be some minimal things happen. Uh, We're talking about doing an intensive just in order to be able to fund taking the time off from a regular tour. And uh, so if you're interested in that, stay in touch with us or watch our website and you'll see it posted. But other than that, we do have a caller. So, Michael, you're still not being heard. I'm not sure if you're back on or what's happened there. I'm back. I just got disconnected, so I'm back on. Okay. So do you have a caller? caller. Area code 224. You're on the air. Who do we have? Welcome, 224. You're on the air. Where are you calling from? Give us a name. 224, can you hear us? You are on the air live. Must have either disconnected or turned their attention elsewhere. So, you know, there anybody else with a hand up or anything happening in the uh, chat room to be aware of? No, that is all. And uh, I was just looking to see there's several people in the chat room today, more so than usual. And uh, it looks like I've got an issue with the Blog Talk website here. So, give me a moment to, to work on that. Okay, well, let's let's move forward a little bit more in the direction of uh, the healing process. I brought up that idea of aging does not it's a, it's a destructive fantasy thing that aging has to do with time. What we call aging has to do with 
bringing disintegrative energy into tissue on a regular basis, which our culture has pretty much uh, indoctrinated us to do, and that when we reverse the process and begin to forgive, we begin to remove those energies. And, you know, a lot of people, we've kind of got the instant society too. well, I wanted this all done yesterday, and I just caution anyone who chooses to engage in the work to recognize that it's a lifetime project. You don't spend a whole lifetime filling the mind and the genetics with hostility and fear based on a thousand generations of hostility or fear and overnight understand the conversation about making the shift, making the change. You know, 2,000 years ago, there was an ancient teacher named Yeshua who said, you've got to have the eyes to see and the ears to hear. I think we're fairly safe in assuming that he wasn't talking about physical eyes and ears. Probably most everybody had those. But he was saying, you have to have the brain cells for a different conversation. And, you know, the example I used earlier in the show, how long, now that you've recognized that the sun doesn't rise, what words are you going to use and how long will it be until you just naturally, it just rolls off your tongue that, well, it was really cool this morning when the earth made its rotation and we were able to see the sun. When will that become natural for you? Just that simple thing that involves no particular emotion, no particular aspect of your life. It's just kind of there. How long do you suppose it's going to take to shift to where your mind naturally moves out of sunrise, sunset into the earth rotating to expose the sun or to hide the sun? How long do you suppose it's going to take? Well, if you've lived in a world where you come from a thousand generations of, of blamers, and the way you can tell if you come from a family of blamers is, did you have a father or a mother when there was upset going on for them that would speak responsibly about their upset? A la, you know, dear husband, dear wife, when you did thus and so, that really brought fear or anger or sadness up for me, and what I'd like to do is heal my fear and sadness and anger. How many were brought up with that parent? Pretty rare. So, Notice that you've engaged in the destructive fantasy that somebody else causes your fear or your anger or your sadness. And that's a lie. How long is it going to take until it becomes natural for you now that you know the truth? To speak the truth just as a matter of course? To automatically say, gee, I really have upset up when I think about this situation or that. Gee, I have some anger that surfaced. I have sadness. I have fear. It's going to take some time. It's a process doesn't happen overnight. So we're inviting you into a process. We're inviting you into a lifetime process where you become cognizant that every disintegrative energy that impacts any aspect of your cellular structure is something you need to face, something you need to deal with, something you need to work through. And the forgiveness tool is the key tool. It'll take time to develop a language and a conceptual framework that will support you doing that. If it were just a matter of learning something new, it would probably be a pretty quick process. But it isn't. It's a matter of undoing the conditioning. Just like sunrise, sunset. No such thing exists as sunrise or sunset. What's it going to take to retrain your brain? You know, think about the day you moved your office around. And it ended up that the garbage can that was always over on the left is now on the right. How many times did you wad up a piece of paper and throw it to the garbage can or think about throwing it to the garbage can that wasn't there anymore? Maybe it's been a year and your mind still goes to the old location for the garbage can. Why? Because those energetic patterns are deeply ingrained. If you haven't seen in your bloodline a parent, a sibling, an aunt, an uncle, a grandparent who says, gee, you know, when thus and so happened, that really brought fear up in me, and I want to heal my fear. I want to live without fear. I want to open a space for my grandchildren to live without fear. If you haven't seen that in your life, then you've been conditioned in the opposite. So the unlearning is part of the forgiveness process, and then the relearning of the truth becomes the next step. And it is a process. It's going to take time. If you think about it, imagine the first time you sat down to turn your computer on. 
how many sat down the first time and knew how to turn the computer on and opened the web browser and went to your email and opened email and wrote an email? Nobody did that the first time they sat down. They had to be walked through and they had to build brain cells. Now, if you think about right now, you know, I know I've been involved with computers for about 25 years, and I can't count how many thousands of hours I've spent. And I live in sometimes in trepidation of the next virus that strikes. And how many hours is it going to take to rectify the damage from that virus? Hostility and fear relative to the human operating system is a virus. If you think about the last time and cancel the thought, hopefully, hopefully you've never had that happen, that your computer acquired a virus how many hours did you take to clean it up? Notice that virtually everybody who's got rage and guilt and grief and fear issues, uh, relationship issues, hate issues, notice how the desire is, well, I want this done yesterday. I want to be, yeah, give me the tool. Okay, i got five minutes and five bucks. Tell me everything you know. And yet, ten hours later, still working on a computer virus. And you think about your computer you know, whether it's a Mac or an IBM, I don't think it matters. Mac boys say it does. I don't think so. But if you think about your computer, it's a device whose operating system has been in development for 60 or so years and was designed by geniuses in their field. And yet look at the challenges you have with that operating system. Now, compare that to the operating system of your human energy field, which has been developed for thousands of years and had the input of some of the angriest, most vicious, insane people ever on the planet. All of us have that in our bloodline. How long do you suppose it's going to take to clean it up? It's going to be a process. It's going to take a little time. And that's what we're here to support you in, to really learn and integrate these tools on a level where they simply become first nature. So that's what we're here to do. And is our 224 caller back by any chance, Ginny? Well, actually, I think that it's a blog talk issue. They probably were trying to say hello. Um, so <laughs> when I went to do a refresh. There they um, are. Can you get it? Okay, awesome. Thank you. 224. Hi. Can you hear me? Yes. Well, hey there. Yes, give us a name. Where are you calling from? This is Kathy. I'm calling from from the Chicago area. Awesome. Welcome, Kathy. I'd like to hear your voice. How can we support you today? Um, well, I actually saw Dr. Tim yesterday, <laughs> and <clears throat> we were working on um, – I need to do some worksheets around self-esteem issues. And I'm tr doing my worksheets, and I'm coming to this stuck point, and I'm realizing that maybe I don't – actually realize that my true being is love. Well, that's a, a, a challenge that virtually everybody on the planet shares. So I hear that one loud and clear because who of us hasn't been given messages that we're incompetent, incapable, never going to happen for us. There are all kinds of messages. And you know, that's, in essence, what Dr. Tim was describing when he described dealing with one of his two-year-old issues and going back to, you know, the the loss of the awareness of, of really truly living and being connected to love and falling into the belief that we're something less than. So when an issue like that came up 2,000 years ago with Yeshua and they said to him, well, how many worksheets is enough? How many times do we need to forgive? Is seven times enough was the question that Peter asked. And Yeshua's response was, no, 77 times 70. And 77 times 70 does not mean a literal number. What it's saying is that I'm going to do, you know, uh, zero is the number of completion, or pardon me, zero is infinity, seven is the number of completion in numerology. So how many worksheets am I going to do around a particular issue where I've given messages about, been given messages about a lie and lived out of that lie? How many times will I need to forgive until I'm done with that? 
an infinite number of times till I'm done with that. And if you look back and you think about the source of your genes, you look at your parents. Did your parents, either your father or your mother, identify themselves as love? Was that what they believed about themselves? Right. I mean, I was raised Catholic, so I guess we were we were we were born sinners. Mhm. So that was a basic message that came from a big authority, the church. And so I'll just hold the space and any questions on refining the process, uh, you know, we're certainly here to answer, but I'll just hold the space that you recognize that this is an issue. It's going to be one of your perennial issues. It's going to come around in layers and layers and layers of letting go of the belief that a word that describes uh, a happening in archery is who you are because it's not. It's one of those fantastical lies that the world tells us that simply isn't true. And so we'll hold the space that you can layer by layer, piece by piece, work through and forgive that until you really come to a true direct experience of yourself as the active presence of love. Does that make sense? Yes. Dr. Tim, you have any thoughts for Kathy? Yeah. um, One of the thoughts I have for people in your situation, Kathy, is because you have children, if you look at your children and you conceive of them as being damaged or broken, it's a real stretch because you can see them so purely lovingly, especially when they're really, really young. So if you hold that image of them or one of your most loving times with them and how you feel towards them, and then you extend that to yourself and you think, wait a minute, I'm the same. And you just keep your breath flowing and notice what wants to come up inside of you to fight against that. And that's just an observation. That's not anybody giving you a lecture. We're all human beings. We all started the same. We all have the same core. So if there's something that's in you that wants to fight against that, whether it's a tense feeling or a thought or a dark energy that's what you then do the tapping or breathing or worksheet process on to dismantle those energies, beliefs, or thoughts that want to distract you from the truth that you are the same loving energy that your children are, that you always were, you always have been, and you always will be, just as they will always be that pure, innocent, loving energy at their core. Okay, so this just brings up, um, just brought up something for me that, you know, my daughter was diagnosed with cancer, and maybe I somehow feel responsible for passing that negative energy onto her. Well, that would be a lovely target for a whole series of worksheets. When you think that you might have passed this energy on to her and you're responsible for all she had to go through, what emotion are you aware of feeling? Sadness. There's a worksheet. Okay. I, Kathy, who am love, feel sadness, and you jump right down to the thought, and the thought is, I passed on this horrible disease to my daughter and created all of her suffering. Okay. Probably a couple of workshops in there on guilt as well. Yeah. Definitely. And you just keep your breath moving. And as you open those spaces in you and let go of those things, literally, energetically, you open an energy window for your daughter to let go of the same. And when your daughter opens and lets go of the same, here's what will happen any tendency toward cancer will disappear. And that will be her work. As you do yours, as you deal with every fear around what could happen to her, what that would do to your family, how that would reflect on you, what it means about you, as you forgive each aspect of that and recognize that these are all energetic patterns that come into 
our experience and give us the opportunity to remove them. And as you remove them, you open the energy window for her to remove the same. So we certainly hold a space for that. That's a really major, major piece of work to do. Thank you. One of the other tools that I would suggest you might integrate with your daughter is on our website. There's a tool called My Commitment. We uh, we did a healing through. It's, this is the tool we teach in our healing through relationships workshop. And Jean and I did a healing through relationships workshop in Florida back a couple of years ago. And there was a gentleman that came up to the take table after uh, after the workshop and started to share with Jeannie how much trauma there was in his marriage and how he and his wife were raging each other and they were talking about divorce and it was over and there was too much water under the bridge. And So Jeannie offered him a copy of the commitment and said, why don't you start to read this to her every day? And he was like, you know, it's too late. That's a waste. It's just, you know, our relationship is over. And she said, here, look, it's yours for free. It's not going to cost you anything. Read it to her every day. She got a call three or four weeks later from this guy, and he's just so excited. And it's like, you're not going to believe this, but my wife and I are free of conflict. There is nothing traumatic going on in our relationship. We've dropped the conversation about divorce, and we're having a blast together. And he's like, well, congratulations, nice work. And asked him the question, when you read the commitment to her, does she read it back to you? And this guy kind of stuttered and said, well, what, what, what do you mean? He said, well, when you read the commitment to her, does she read it back to you? And the guy says, she doesn't know I'm reading this. <laughs> He's going in the back room and reading the commitment to her, and they have a total transformation in their relationship. I support you going to the website, printing off the commitment, starting to start to read it to your daughter's picture every day. We actually had a woman that... Um, teaches this work in Spanish in South Florida and she was there when we shared the story about this gentleman and she had a client that she was working with with these tools who had a son who until he got married lived in her home and the day that he got married he disappeared from her life ten years, she hasn't heard a word hasn't seen him, he's gone and so this young lady that teaches the work in Spanish shared the commitment with him, with her, and said, why don't you start to read this to his picture? She started to read the commitment to his picture every day, and three days later, there's a knock on her door, and it's her son. Wow. We live in an energetic world. You know, the physicists tell us that every molecule in the universe is in literal, continuous communication with every molecule in the universe. As you shift out of guilt, because your guilt about what your daughter's going through is a disintegrative energy not only for you, but for her, as you choose to forgive your guilt and recognize, okay, this is a family pattern, I can let go of this, you'll open that, then quite likely what you'll see your daughter doing is processing through and letting go of guilt. And there's going to be another level of shift. And so that's the power of really using the tools and doing your work on a constant, on a consistent, conscious basis. Make sense? Oh, thank you so much. Yes, it does. Absolutely thank you. Absolutely delighted, Kathy. It's an honor to meet you. And, and any way we can support you through the process, you know, you might introduce your daughter to the worksheet process if there's receptivity. And as she starts to work around these issues and you do the same, you'll each accelerate the healing process for each other. Thank you so much. And um, Kathy, we have, we have, um, there's a child's version of that commitment. And I've worked with people where they've had the kids read that on a regular basis and learn the simple tapping techniques. And when, then whenever the children are upset, they have, a set of tools they can use. They can go in their room where they've got this, you know, who am I? I am love that they can read. It's on the wall. And and or they can have mom or dad read it to them while they tap and breathe and soothe themselves and let go of whatever doesn't belong in their system. 
So you can read the commitment to her, and you can also have her and your other children learning to read uh, Julie Haverstick's version of the commitment for children. And I, I would strongly recommend that as well. Okay, thank you. I'm sorry. What age is your daughter? She's five. Hmm. Well, we certainly hold our hearts wide open to her and hold the space for whatever the energy is about in her little body that through mom's support and this whole community. And, you know, we've got a whole global community here. We've got people literally right now from all over the globe that are spraying love toward you and your daughter. And we just hold the space that everything that needs to be processed out is processed out in healing the curse. Thank you. All right. Love and blessings. Thanks for your call. All right. All right. Take care. So, Jenny, we're down to about nine minutes. Anything happening in the chat room for us to be aware of? Or anybody? Actually, Dr. Tim is in charge of the switchboard for me now. Oh, cool. Dr. Tim, anything there? Anything in the chat room, Jeannie? Any conversations Uh, going? No, there's nothing going on there. All right, well, we have um, one more hand up. It's area code 765. You're in the air. Hi there. Jeannie, this is Sunny again. Hey, young lady. Um, I'd like to thank Kathy, the last caller. Um, I definitely will hold her and her daughter in prayer. (laughs) And um, I've been doing my work here. And I, my question today might be maybe for some of Dr. Tim's work. And um, over the course of the weekend, yesterday I got my hands on my daughter's glucometer, her meter, and she doesn't, um, she tries to hide when she's her blood sugar is high. And she did fall off the wagon nutritionally over the weekend. She was doing very, very well with a new regimen. We were trying to, as I had explained, get rid of her blood alcohol. And with alcoholism being part of the generation, and my daughter demonstrates, um, you know, when she's high, she's drunk, and then it brings up stuff for me. And I'm at the point of where, as I, you were not present one day, Michael, and Dr. Tim helped me work through some stuff where I went unconscious and my daughter and I did not have a good experience with one another verbally. And um, now I'm wondering how to support her since she kind of rebels about everything. I mean, she is a sedated mind in the moment. And... um how can I support her without what you spoke of earlier in the show without um, going into the uh, former learned behavior of feeling like I'm enabling her? And then in terms of it being a food issue, you know, try to help her without feeling like I'm punishing her, you know, about what she does choose to eat. I mean, she's craving and... um, She's suffering. It, it's it's difficult as a parent to, to witness. And uh, I just want to be as strong for her as I can through this because... So my, um, input would be, so my input would be that you begin to start to deal with whatever the energy is that you're experiencing around her blood sugar, your fear, your anger, your sadness. So to start to do worksheets in each of those arenas, looking in that particular case of what came up and what was going on for you in that conversation. And then, if you don't have a copy of it, you might just go to the the bullseye on whyagain.org and look down the list and you'll see a tool called Responsibility Communication. So I'd support you digging out that Responsibility Communication tool and sit down and write her a letter about the event that didn't go so well from the point of view of your responsibility and your part. When you can model for her, you know, here I realized, sweetheart, that I went off the rails and I was in anger 
And I realized that I used anger as a drug to cover my fear because I have fear about what's going to happen to you or what is happening. You know, as you can model using that responsibility communication tool, she's going to get to build the brain cells for, ah, there's a different way to do this than the way that I learned to do it. And, you know, if you if you think back to all the shows where we've had conversations and how many times there was a, a loop running in your mind that kept going, I suspect your daughter's running the same thing because, of course, she's of your genetic structure. And so as you take your work to the next level and move into more responsibility communication, owning what was going on for you in that situation, you know, when your blood sugar went up so high and I had anger come up because I was judging you about what you, and I realized I have no place to judge you and I'm, gonna, I'm doing some forgiveness work around my judgment. And as you do that, then asking her, one of the steps in the process is asking her for support in your healing and then really truly asking her with an open heart and an open mind if she has any ideas how you could heal that part of you that came up in that conversation. And then shut up and listen. <laughs> Just be a space. That'll be one of the most difficult parts. Just be a space of listening to what she guides you in in your work. And as you do that, you'll probably get some very good input and you'll open the space for her to go to the next level of, wow, you know, I don't remember anybody ever talking to me like they were responsible for what was going on in their lives in the same way that I talk to others like I'm not responsible. That's what I've always seen. And here's mom with a whole new dynamic happening. She was in anger and rage and, and gee, she owned her rage. I wonder if I could do that. And as you help her to build the brain cells, then a new space will tend to open in communication with her. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And interestingly enough, you mentioned that loop. Um, thank you for the forward message on Dr. Speck's page. And as a, you take the little questionnaire um, and watch the first video, I guess the second too, you wait to receive emails on, I'm, I'm supposing. Um, but the first video, he speaks of my test results as being indicative of quote-unquote, many times the grandchildren, maybe the mental processing that we, you know, that I've used to protect myself as a child from the alcoholism around me. And um, I see my daughter doing much the same thing. And I was surprised to see that it is a form of ADD. And uh, I, I thank you very much in that, you know, um, so yeah, lots and lots of new information to work with and um, being aware of that uh, hyper-thinking. <laughs> um, I have to um, work on disciplining myself to turning it off periodically and process these things as I go here and uh, and really just you know, yes, keeping myself strong so I can be my best self for her. And uh, there you go. But strength, yeah, strength. Yeah, it's just um, I really, it's it's about I get really discouraged about her feeling like she doesn't love herself. And I've okay, so worksheets, worksheets. Oh, 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 stop, stop, stop. So worksheets around not loving yourself, around your discouragement about her appearing to not love herself. And then remember that she can't love herself, you can't love yourself, you can't love her, she can't love you, but we can each function as love. And that's the goal you want to head for. That's another one of those destructive fantasies. I love you. No, I can either choose to be the presence of love in your presence or not, but love is a noun, it's what we are, it's not a verb, it's not what we do to each other. And we are down to the last few seconds, so if appropriate, let's continue this conversation tomorrow. In the meantime... We appreciate everybody who comes to join us. Bring a stranger to the show tomorrow tomorrow, and create the best year yet of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift to give the world. Blessings. Bye-bye.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC. 